What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast is brought to you by our presenting sponsor, Ponko Chicken. Ponko Chicken, if you did not already know, is a unique spin on Japanese and Western cuisine. Uh, there are stores, if you're not familiar, um, all around the Atlanta area. Uh, there's one in Marietta now. There's one in Buckhead. There's one in Shambly. There's one in uh, Midtown. They're popping up everywhere because Ponko is awesome and uh, they're like family. So um, go check out Ponko if you have not already. It is the home of the award-winning Japanese American Chicken Tender just to brag on them a little bit more, they were Verizon Super Bowl Live top-selling vendor, three-peat Taste of Atlanta award winner, um, Midtown Alliance Best Taste winner. Just they won all the awards because Ponco is great and Ponco is delicious. So if you are in the Atlanta area and are looking to try something new and good and delicious, go check out Ponco Chicken today and tell them that I sent you over. Uh, also. If you have not already, go check out ChaseThomasPodcast.com. It's where all of my episodes to all of my podcasts are, all of my writing that I do, uh, more information on me and who I am um, and why you should be listening to this podcast and reading my work and all of that great stuff. Go do that. Go to Chase Thomas Podcast today. If you're an Apple podcast listener, go ahead and leave me five stars and a rating and a review. That's great. I need it. Um, it helps the show continue to grow and all of that good stuff. Um, you can listen on SoundCloud, Spotify, like I said, Apple, Google Play, everywhere where you can get your podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast will be there. So go do that today. Um, all right. I think that's everything. We can get into today's episode. Uncle Darren, let's go. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate, I already hate it. I hate it. All right. Welcome back to a, another episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast. We're taping this on a beautiful Thursday afternoon here in Atlanta. Maxwell Bombach is somewhere in the Illinois suburbs. Not 100%. If you're in the suburbs in Illinois, I assume you're in Naperville. That's just how it oh, works. Yeah. Um, am I right? Uh, I'm in the Naperville area. <laughs> yeah. I work in Naperville. There you go. See, everyone who's in like mm-hmm. I've ever met from Chicago who doesn't actually live in downtown Chicago uh, lives in Naperville. I think that's actually how it works. Yeah. A fun fact I learned uh, at my job is that Naperville, I don't even know if this is still true, but it was true like six years ago, is the number one city that people move to when they move out of Chicago. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Did you ever live in the city or have you always been a suburb person? No, I I lived just outside of it um, for four years, but never in Chicago proper. Hmm. Do you ever want um, to? I, I don't think I want to now. I kind of wish I had, though. Um, I lived like off of an L stop, so I, I could basically get in and out whenever I wanted mm-hmm. uh, when I was close to it. But and I, I like feel like I didn't really take advantage of that as much as I should have. And I wish I had done the city thing, at least like right after college for a good year or so. I feel like it would have been perfect, like just a fun way to kick off like 
being on my own and financially dependent. Yeah. But what can you do? Can't turn back time now. Well, I mean, you could. You could um, sell your house, break the news to Poppy, mm-hmm. and then immediately, like, this is a buyer's market right now. <laughs> yeah. Just leave leave my cat in this current house. Yeah. <laughs> make, make it a contingency that whoever buys it has to take the cat. I mean, you and like then, Poppy, right? Uh, yeah, she go to the city. Good, good cat for the next owner. Yeah, yeah, she's fine. She doesn't break anything. Mm. Okay, she's a big Goldberg enthusiast, as I recall. Yeah, loves Goldberg, loves The Undertaker and Kane as well. Oh. Always mesmerized when they're... Big Undertaker fan. Mm-hmm. Have you broken the news to her that The Undertaker... Actually, let me check my notes here. Uh, stinks. Uh, she is is more familiar with his older work, so I... I have not had to have yet the, the dreaded talk where you have to explain to your cat that the undertaker is quite bad now. I would say that undertaker was always bad. Uh, he had some years. I never he, liked the like, undertaker. growing up. He's always been like, just never, never got it. Never liked it. Never enjoyed it. Fast forward the matches. I remember being very upset, like his world title run on SmackDown and like beating Batista and all that. I, I remember just, feeling like I was taking crazy pills where I'm like, this guy's not good. What are we doing? Yeah. I, I was never huge on him as a kid, but I liked him in kind of like 06 to 08, starting with the Kurt angle match at no way out in 06 through sort of his Batista series. That, that was all good. And then after that point, it was, you get one good match per year. And then he would be doing some sort of terrible feud with Kane the rest of the year. I think that's um, every year. So remember Buckle Up, Teddy? Yes, I do. When, <laughs> yeah, that's classic. Yes. Um, but yeah, so like then he would just do a bad feud with like Kane or like have subpar matches with CM Punk. And then he'd have his good Mania match. And then he was just having the Mania match a year. And those were, I still enjoyed those. And then I think the CM Punk match at Mania, which a lot of people love. I thought it was good, but it was also like the first sign of the wheels visibly starting to come off. Yeah, I think the punk match was because it was just nowhere near the level of like the Shawn Michaels WrestleMania matches in terms of work. They did a really good job of telling the story. And I thought punk wrestled a tremendous match there. But you could tell that Undertaker's mobility and just overall coordination and everything was not where it had been in the past. Yeah, Um did you? I, I this is a side, another side tangent before we get into AEW and WrestleMania because I, I mm-hmm. these are things that I, I need to pick your brain on. Um, did you see Kota Ibushi's interview about time and how he sleeps every day? No. This was um, this was my favorite thing in the world. I I don't. It, it's some Galaxy Brain stuff from Kota Ibushi and uh, Tanahashi trying to figure out what he's talking about is an incredible three minutes of mm. footage where Kota Ibushi goes to bed one hour later every day and then wakes up one hour earlier. So he thinks that he's working off 25 hours. Like he gets an extra hour a day to do his stuff by extending when he goes to bed by an hour every day. Wait, wait, wait. wait. <laughs> wait, wait. So... Hold on. So is he just shifting the window in which he sleeps or is he just continually staying up an extra hour? He's like continually staying up an extra hour. Until he just doesn't sleep at all? I, no, he's adding up. So he's like, he thinks that like going to bed at 11 and then let's say he wakes okay. up at 5. The next day he goes to okay. bed at 12 and wakes up at 6. Uh-huh. 
No. Okay. Yeah. So he's just moving the window. Yeah. Oh no. Okay. <laughs> he thinks he's getting uh, oh, an extra man. hour of work a day. It's like a good thing that he's good at professional wrestling. Yes, because Tanahashi's just like his face and like that whole interview. It's on my Twitter timeline. I, I retweeted it a couple days ago, but it, it's unbelievable. And he's 100% serious. Oh, man. That's that's disappointing. <laughs> yeah, I figured you would like that as a big Kota Bushi But there's guy. that. And there's also like the anecdotes about him like getting lost in airports all the time. <laughs> I don't want to be mean, but a there's some kind of stuff that's just like, oh, poor guy. Who's going to talk to him? Who's going to pull him aside? <laughs> what are you doing? Um, yeah. I thought it was interesting. So I, I want to get into AEW this week, but something I've been thinking about, and I don't know where you stand on this, but it seems like this is not likely for WWE, but could you see AEW actually just moving their show to Japan soon? Like uh, when I was reading stuff about them being in, in J- the president of That's New Japan being interested in ADW and all that kind of stuff, like if there was a company that could move it to another country and it'd be totally fine, it would be AEW. And I wonder if that's like the plan instead of just doing it in Jacksonville, even though I think the Jacksonville shows have been better than the performance center shows, um, definitely presentation wise. But do you do you think that's like on the table is moving it to uh, moving it overseas with AEW? And do you think that would make sense for them? I think it could. I think if, if things get to a good point over there and no one on the roster has it, it's it's definitely conceivable. The thing that they would run into in Japan is how how deeply ingrained the promotions that exist that are currently are in the fact that they don't really have a working relationship with an existing promotion over there. Because like with places like Cork and Hall and your traditional sort of wrestling venues there, they're booked rock solid every day consistently Mm. um and it's it can be tough to sort of break through that established hierarchy but if they could get somebody to partner with i don't see why they couldn't right and and Um, i think there's a lot more of a natural fan base over there where it'd just be easy and a lot of those guys still work over yes and i and i recall that um the sort of very online wrestling fan in japan is very intrigued by aw Mm. And it had it has somewhat of a following over there. Uh, so between that, the fact that you have guys who have wrestled there and made a name for themselves there, and are also comfortable and familiar with the culture, it's definitely conceivable that they could at least take a good chunk of the roster over there. Yeah, um, it would be great for the women's division. Um, if yeah, I think they would still need to partner up with somebody because I think if they just wanted to say, "Hey, we're just going to run shows here now," I don't know that a lot of other motions or venues would be fully on board yeah i don't know it's just something i'm thinking about because like i wonder what the long term and a lot of it's booking arenas and stuff like that like how complicated that is and i mean professional sports mm-hmm. here is now dealing with that of just like that's why march madness can't get restarted <laughs> it's like nope those were all booked for those days yeah. and that's over um i i don't know I, it, everything is up in the air but that's just something that i thought was interesting it's like you know they could really go anywhere and be just as fine. I think um, WWE, I think, would be a little bit different. That might be a little weirder. And also, they're not they're, like WWE has this very specific product and presentation that if you mixed it up too much, like Vince would not want that. It's like setting a different precedent. AEW doesn't have a precedent set right now, so they could go do those crazy weird shows in a different weird venue, and nobody would be like, "What is this?" 
nobody people would be like oh this is cool they're shaking things up they're adapting with the times but the wwe (laughs) it's just not know what they're going to do and not what they want to do and yeah and wwe also doesn't do things very far in advance anymore yeah um so i think logistically they would have a harder time as well it also just be a bad look for the uh, performance just in terms center, of like, right? Like you invest all this money to do yeah. stuff like this and contingency plans like this. And then it'd be like, actually, it sucks here. So we're going to go somewhere else. Yeah. Yeah, that would be tough. And I just think being the size that they are, too, it would seem weirder. Mm-hmm. Like AEW gets to be kind of a, a quirkier company. Yeah. Where I think it would be really weird for WWE to explain to their shareholders like, oh, we're just going to move everybody to Japan for a while. Yeah. And I feel like it's a bigger ask, too, just because a lot of the guys on their roster haven't had to do that before. It, it might seem like a bigger undertaking for guys who. Uh, I feel like a lot of people go to WWE to ease up on having to do international travel and like getting to be home more now mm-hmm. in some ways. So I think asking them to go to another country for a period of time would be a tougher, a tougher ask. Fair. Um, so I want to talk about AEW this week. I thought this was a very good show. I thought obviously the highlight was Sammy versus Kenny. Just mm-hmm. I, I'm bummed that this happened with nobody in the crowd because I think this would have just been an absolute banger if there were people in the crowd. Um, Sammy obviously getting better and better. Him making out with the Brandy uh, poster, ten out of ten. That Love to see good. it. Um, he he is so good. And Kenny. Um, so there's two sides of Kenny on, in my notes here that I have. When he started off on on commentary this morning, uh, as I was watching this morning, I was like, oh, no. Kenny is so bad on commentary. He's very pure. And I mean that in, like, he is. He was upset about, like, oh, closed fist from Jimmy Havoc. Like, oh, what? Yeah. Why he's like, <laughs> I don't. It, it's, it's just wild. He's just really bad at it. And he's also very genuine of just like, oh, I, this is a sport and you should treat everybody the way you want to be treated and blah, 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 blah. And it's just, uh, I was like, oh God, I hope he is not on this for the rest of the show until his match because I don't know if I can take this. And then you have the Kenny match and you're like, okay, there it is. That's the Kenny Omega I want, not the Kenny Omega on commentary because that is uh, not not my deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I enjoyed that. I enjoyed Cody on commentary yeah. a lot too i thought even some of his like little points about uh darby trying to cauliflower kip sabian's ear with a headlock and just little technique things he was he was very enjoyable in that regard well let me ask i, you, I got a kick out of the show. that i hadn't really considered and tony shivani mm-hmm. seemed surprised too that he made this comparison but he compared darby allen to young sting and he even went so far as not like just the black and white sting where he was just like the baby stingers that you saw in the early nineties. He was talking about, uh, I think it was mm-hmm. clash or something um, that he was talking about when sting was first breaking through when he was surfer sting and all that. And that he just had this natural gravitas with younger fans. And when I was at an AEW show, I saw a bunch of younger kids with the AEW face. I mean the Darby Allen face paint. And I think that's true yeah. that he's definitely drawing um, a lot of young kids in. I just wonder if that is, I mean, Sting was just really, really good and really, I mean, just one of the best workers of that time and obviously one of the biggest superstars ever. And I, that's a lot to ask from Darby Allen this early, but I thought 
that was an interesting comparison and also that he was very open about the fact that him and Kip Sabian were both very green and that I forgot who he said was like clearly working on the incline a little bit um like pointing yeah Darby yeah he mentioned that he was like filling out his chest yeah Yeah. where he makes it clear that these two guys are in their long-term plans but they're nowhere near getting Mm -hmm. a mega push so this is the early stages of both of them I I thought that was interesting I liked the uh the freshman playing on varsity yes line that he used like it's it's like, yeah, they're obviously very talented to be in this predicament, but like you're also being reasonable as far as what's expected of them. Like they might be role players now, but in three years, it's it's going to be their show. Um, I yeah, I, I'm really excited about Darby. I was stunned that he's taken off with kids the way he has. Mm-hmm. Um, not that I thought anything. Not that I had like a, a negative perception of Darby in any way. But I feel like a lot of times I like going into it, I was viewing like Luchasaurus and Jungle Boys, like the people for kids. Yeah. And I think a lot of times with wrestling, you forget that it's like kids don't always necessarily like the stuff that's for the kids. Yeah. Like you look at how over Jeff Hardy was with kids when he came around. And like, I think that's the guy Darby reminds me the most of is, is Jeff Hardy. And obviously it's like they're both there definitely. They've both done the face paint thing. But I think what the difference is. And uh, I know this may upset some people, but I think Darby is going to be a better all around professional wrestler than Jeff Hardy. Hmm. I think he's a better talker. If you look at. Yeah, well, for sure. He's I think he's already a better talker. Um, But just the fact that his like Matt game is so smooth and slick and his transitions in in between stuff is is very good. I think the difficult thing that Darby is going to have a hard time with is when you're kind of on the come up and in the underdog role it's it's a little easier to have these kind of matches Mm -hmm. but like what does it look like what does a darby allen match look like when he is a main eventer because it's gonna have to look a little bit different than it does now because like once you're a top guy a true top guy like you can't just get beat up every single match because i think people get sick of that sort of thing i think that's part of the reason you saw people turn yeah and like that's part of why people turned on cena to a degree was like all of his matches was just he he gets beat up and then he does his comeback sequence and it can get um, a bit redundant. Mm-hmm. And that's like the one concern I have with Darby is just what what does his game look like as time goes on? Well, as Cody pointed out, uh, we have time with him. Like he doesn't have to figure it out now. He can keep working and learning and things like that. I um I thought it was interesting, too, that Darby in that promo, which all the video packages AEW does, I very much enjoy. They do a very good job of doing all of this and I'll we'll get to Brody in a second but I uh I thought it was interesting that they pointed out that like bad boy is just words and he really hasn't done anything because we talk about this with WWE all the time where they just give these nicknames like the yeah. Scottish sociopath or whatever and it's like what has he actually done what is, <laughs> yeah. I don't, and Darby just being like those are just words. I don't even know what bad boy means. Like, what are you, um, or whatever his, what is it? Not even bad boy. What is he? Because that's bad boy Joey Janela. What is his? Super bad. The bad, what? Super oh, bad. bad boy he's Joey super Janela, bad. super bad Kip Sabian. Yeah. Where he's just like, what, what does that even mean? Like, what has Kip Sabian done in AW that is, uh, super bad? He is what? just, he's just super bad, man. <laughs> he's bad, but it's to a, a degree that is super. Um, what did you think of Cody Jimmy Havoc? Because in my notes to start off, I was like, huh, Jimmy Havoc, like he is a very unique, unique worker. I, I feel like you're not a big Havoc person, but um, I'm not. I enjoyed this for um, what it was. And you know what? I uh, I also enjoyed Cody being on commentary to start off and being like, I'm going to go through the tunnel. 
Like, that was my favorite line from the show. Of just, you can hear Cody muffled in the distance where he's like, you know what? I'm just going to go through the tunnel. Like, just screw it. I, I love the genuineness yeah. it felt like where he's just having fun and just like, no, I'm going to go ahead and do this. And then um, Havoc grabbing to, uh, Cody by the tongue was was weird. Like, uh, I just, Havoc's just different. Yeah. But I also love that they're like, he's undefeated this year. And then Tony Schiavone with no tongue in cheek where he's just like, he's one of the staples of AEW Dark. Can you imagine? And yes, just, this is a, like to hype somebody up, like a staple of WWE Velocity, like Juventud Guerrero. Yeah, like, or like if they were like Cedric Alexander has been a staple of main event in recent months. Oh, like that's a good one. Yeah, that'd just be yeah, it would just be it'd be sad. And you're like, oh, the, I see what you're trying to do there by just saying like they're doing great on this other show, but like, uh, I don't, I don't know if that's maybe how you want to frame it if you're trying to make something of this person. Like, yeah, they're undefeated, but they're undefeated mm-hmm. on dark which whatever yeah to me because to me i the way i was thinking about it too is if as a, a chicago bulls fan it'd be like if i was watching a bulls game and the commentators were like the matchup to watch tonight is going to be lebron james against adam makoka who has been a staple for the windy city bulls this season yes you're like and it's like oh is that the matchup to watch <laughs> yeah yeah I agree. It, it sounds like this guy is not as good as the other guy. Yeah, why is he not on the main show? Why, like, okay. Um, mm-hmm. Jake the Snake, you're not going to believe this, Maxwell. He's actually good. Mm-hmm. He is. I, I didn't like this promo as much really? as his initial promo. I thought it was I thought it was good. I, I didn't think it was, like, blow away incredible, but I thought it was good. I think he's just naturally, like, good. This is, like, the perfect spot for him. I just think he's a natural talker, and anyone who knows Jake the Snake knows this is, like, his thing, but, like, his little lines, I like the, um, uh, just how this feud makes sense of him targeting Cody, and, like, being forgotten, and, like, talking about Arn, bring the old man, bring, um, he, like, forgets Brandy's name, and all that kind of stuff. Like, he's, he's just good. I like feuds that, um, you know, you're not going to believe this. I like feuds that make sense. And him yeah. to bring in Archer and like why he's annoyed at the at Arn and the powers that be in AEW makes sense yeah. to me. Yeah, and I think jealousy is yes. sort of an underused reason in professional wrestling feuds these days. I, f- I feel like we don't get enough of that. And it's like one of the most sensible, common emotions that people feel. And it's such an easy thing to tap into. And, and I really enjoy that that's the direction they're taking with this um and i also to to your point on jake to just follow up about what a natural he is i love his style of delivery yes and it's something that so many people have tried to rip off and just nobody else can do it like it is it is so authentically him um that it's you have to pay attention when he's when he's on screen which i appreciate um i like good things on my television screen um which same <sighs> brings me to jake hager okay i can't get over when i was uh backstage at AEW and uh, in atlanta i guess this was a month and a half ago now but i saw everybody gonna go ahead and tell you luchasaurus somehow bigger in person like that man is gigantic gigantic yeah jake hager is not gigantic in person when you walk by jake hager huh. you're like He's big, but he's not, mm-hmm. he's not terrifyingly big. And he is being presented as like a terrifyingly big person in AEW. Or like he's this monster, the monster Jake Hager. Yeah. His entrance is a banger. All about it. But I, um, 
I don't know if it works. I don't know if him being a big bruiser type is the way to go with him because he just does. I understand he's undefeated in Bellator, but I I don't know. I don't think he's. I don't think he can pull it off. Like Brody Lee looks significantly bigger than Jake Hager. Yes. Yeah. Um, the other thing with Hager too is like. I feel like the main event standards in American professional wrestling are so high now. Mm -hmm. And he's not like, you really have to be good. And even like, uh, like obviously, you know, Goldberg is probably the exception to it. But like when Brock Lesnar puts his working boots on Brock Lesnar is out of this world. Mm -hmm. And I mean, like even guys like in the upper mid card, like a Seth Rollins or like a Kevin Owens guys who are in the main event scene from, from time to time, but not necessarily champions. Like, their level of work is so high that it's like I, I think Jake Hager is just a clear, clear tier below that. I would agree. Um, at the very least, one tier, and that's going to be the tough sell, especially when you're trying to be an alternative product. Is you know you can you can book him as as great as you want, but if you're going to try and build a pay per view around this guy challenging for the title, he's got to be able to deliver in the ring. And maybe they're going to be find a creative way around it. Maybe it's a stipulation. Maybe it's the style of the match being some sort of more brawl or fight type match, but I, I definitely have my reservations about him being able to hang. Yeah. I, this show, I was also in my notes and just AW in the last couple of weeks, just thinking about this is I know didn't Cody confirm that they were going to bring some sort of mid card title to this company at some point because they need something. I don't want it to just be one of the basic like inter- like television champions or whatever. Yeah. I would like a not the X division, but something more in line with that, like the pure title or something like that. I yeah, I want something gimmicky. I I and I I feel like a lot of people won't like that, but I would prefer something along the lines of ROH's pure championship. Yes. Or even an OG style TV title where like it is defended every week. If you have the belt, you are on TV every single week and you are defending it. That wouldn't be bad either. Um, it just can't be like a, a plain vague, just like this is clearly a C plus title and means nothing. Yeah. Because otherwise there's no sort of strategy or storyline reason for it to exist other than we've decided to have another prop. Right. Whereas if there is something like a, tv title that has a 10 minute time limit and you have to defend it every week or uh there's pure title rules and you're limited on the number of rope breaks that you can use at least that there's a way that you can spin it that the person who holds that belt is the best at something mm-hmm. and um, i think that works or as if it's just another belt yeah and i think they're smart it's, it's a tougher tougher sell. i think they would do something closer <laughs> to that um and just like guys like kib darby um brody lee jake hager like there's a bunch of guys sammy guevara like there's just so many guys in this roster that would benefit from some kind of direction like that where they can fight over something meaningful while jericho moxley and and company deal with the the top uh belt but it seems like they're going towards jake versus Mm -hmm. moxley and i don't want that i i wouldn't find it if they build it up for like a bigger episode of dynamite yeah. but i think if you're going to try and sell a you on it you're I you might be asking for do. trouble that's what it feels like oh man you better hope you got a real good tag title match underneath that or that you can put over that yeah. in the main event slot then last thing on aw i would not feel comfortable with jake Hager closing a show because that's the other thing that we have to take yeah. into account too is that when you're closing a show in this era like you were also having to follow everybody else who is very good yep and in AEW 
to be that's gonna be a tall ask based on what we've seen from the quality of their pay-per-views so far i agree um final two things in AEW. Mm-hmm. Brody lee has this great like i hadn't considered this but cagehead seats has this piece about how it seems like the exalted one is like a rub at vince mcmahon now like based on the him eating steak and the yeah. weird quips of him just sending people out for sneezing and just as weird um quirks i hadn't considered it um in the last mm-hmm. two weeks but now thinking about it it kind of does make sense and i mean obviously the line about out of touch old man but whatever but i hadn't considered it until right now but i think brody is um I, he feels like a star to me though like i really this works i really like his stuff works I'm- matt hardy stuff does not yeah. work like the disconnect between the two was very strong for me I see. I think it's disagreement time. Uh oh. Uh, because okay. So here's here's what I say with Brody Lee. The first week I was all about Brody Lee. I think he is a star. I think you're right. Um, where I start to disagree is with, with like him being like a Vince McMahon type character. Yeah. Because it seems like we've pivoted what Dark Order is too many times already. Mm-hmm. And I think based on the build to just have him be a guy who's a quirky leader. I think it, it almost diminishes the seriousness of it and takes away from the act as a whole. So I hope that they don't go too far in that direction. Cause I think there's a chance it, it becomes very stale very quickly and it's not something you can really progress with on a consistent basis. Whereas if he's just a, a dark eerie leader, you can take that in any number of directions. You can keep it fresh a lot easier than if he's just doing a different Vince McMahon quirk every week. Who's the right um, oil for him? I want to say Darby, mm. but I, I don't know. I don't know if that's, that's a, it's a very big program to put Darby in. And like, it's also kind of a, a, a detrimental program. And like, he can't win, right? Like you need Brody to win the first few that he has. And I don't know if that would cut Darby's momentum off to a degree. Um, that's who I want to see him wrestle the most. Yeah. Uh, but I, yeah, that that kind of jumps out to me because I don't think they're doing Daniels right My, away. With, no, it it doesn't seem like it. And also, there's the hiccup currently of travel from California being difficult yeah. for the time being. Um, so that's almost off the table entirely. And then uh, on the Matt Hardy front, I don't think that Matt Hardy is going to be a permanent fixture of AEW television. Hmm. And I, I feel like everyone that is in the like this is very bad camp is like we're gonna get this all the time. Like he's gonna be prominently featured. I I don't think Matt Hardy wants to wrestle full time anymore. Yeah, and I could be completely wrong. And maybe this is something that's on TV every single week and it's being forced on our throat and it's just stale jokes from four years ago being done again. That's that's on the table. Um, but just based on what I've seen out of Matt Hardy physically. And it seems like there's almost a little bit more of like a selflessness and a wanting to help usher in the next generation. Yeah. I think like he understands this is a silly thing. Yeah. And I, I shouldn't be front and center. Mm-hmm. And I think we're going to really see him slide into the background as soon as blood and guts happens. Yeah, I, I could see that. But I also think that's how AW works, right? Like they want to make sure that there, it's a lot of equal opportunity. Where I don't think they're going to go... Like, even with Jericho having his... Breathing up as much oxygen as he has over the last couple of months. Like, 
it still didn't feel like the Jericho show. Where like when WWE decides to like go all in on somebody, like that's what the program is about. And that's what you're getting for a while. They're not going to pivot. They're not going to give you variety or anything like that. I think AEW is going to have, like, they're just going to continue cycling people in and out. Like, one week it's the Death Triangle doing a bunch of stuff. One week it's Orange Cassidy getting a big spot. One day it's Nick Jackson getting a big spot. Like, I think you're right in that it's just, there are going to be weeks where Matt Hardy's just not even there, talked about or anything like that. And then um, he's just not that kind of guy. And he seems like not the kind of worker who wants any of that either. Yeah, and I, I just think physically how he's looked the last couple of years, I can't imagine he's wanting to just jump in and have wild matches all the time either. Yeah. Um. So I see him kind of like being the guy who shows up, maybe he does a, a shorter singles match or partakes in multi-mans and that sort of thing. I don't, I don't see him being a focal point. All right, we have to talk about WrestleMania. Yeah, we do. It's happening. Uh, They're taping soon. Um, it's going to get out. Spoilers are going to get out. You're not going to be able to avoid them, right? Like you're going to have to see them. I, I don't think so. I think it's yeah, it's inevitable. Um, where do, where, okay, I was wondering about this. Can they like get people to sign NDAs? Like anyone who comes in the building? I mean, they could, but it's still just it's going to get out. Like this is one of those yeah. things where it's, yeah, I don't know. I just think like I wonder if it is at all possible possible in 2020 to avoid. No. Everybody, no, I um, I don't think so. Yeah, that's that's kind of a bummer. Everything about WrestleMania is a bummer to me this year, though. Who do you think is hurt most by WrestleMania being canceled? Basically, because this is canceled. Like, this is not a real WrestleMania. So people yeah. who are treating it like you no, can call it WrestleMania, WrestleMania. But this is not WrestleMania. This is a wrestling program filmed um at the Performance Center that's called WrestleMania. Yeah. Very different. Uh-huh. I think the two people hurt the most are Roman and Drew McIntyre. Mm. Um, because with Roman, it's a big match that he's going to win that doesn't get to happen in front of a big audience. And, and in a match, too, where he'd probably get cheered. I, I would I would guess. Uh, and Drew, just because like the Rumble... I'm, I'm not a big McIntyre guy. Same. But the Rumble win worked, and he's been over... And it feels like this feud is properly crushing and has maintained its heat. And I think now he almost has to lose. Like, I think you, you can't have him win in this sterile of an environment because it's almost like, what's, what's the point? Mm-hmm. But also, but then you have to roll the dice on him losing. And then he looks like a geek. And, and I don't know, because you're either getting a flat title win or you're, or he's getting air a lot out of his tires. And those are your two choices. And, that sucks. I will say the two biggest losers from this are Drew. I agree with you on that. I think Roman actually has benefited from this. I think this will be okay. I think Roman is at a point now where it just like it doesn't matter. <laughs> I really don't. He's just been around for yeah. so long that like crowd, no crowd, him winning the title. I don't think really changes his trajectory and how fans feel about him. I think he is unaffected. Yeah, he's not going to suddenly yeah become a bigger draw or anything either. Drew is affected by beating Brock Lesnar clean at WrestleMania. I would agree. Um, I also wouldn't have uh-huh. him win because Drew McIntyre, a summer of Drew McIntyre facing just the heels on Raw for the foreseeable future. Um, not interested. Going to go ahead and tell you. Not really interested in a Drew McIntyre run on Raw. I'm just not. Um, and I like Drew McIntyre in a vacuum. I just don't think this was the spot for him. I think Kevin Owens was the obvious one on Raw over the last six months and they kind of... 
and I mean, Rollins pointed this mm. out where he's never had his WrestleMania moment, right? He, like re- there was a really good back and forth this week that um, just gave that feud more stuff to sink your teeth into. Um, I like where that's going, but I think ultimately this was a Kevin Owens spot that they just overthought because Kevin Owens was white hot for a while and he could have really done some great stuff with Brock. And I, I'm cool with mm-hmm. Drew, but I would not pull the trigger. I think the other person who really is hurt from this is Randy Orton slash Edge because they had the best WrestleMania yeah, program. Yeah, because that feud was red hot. Yes. And it's still the best thing going into WrestleMania in terms of a feud. It's it's the only match I feel like I'm truly invested in. Right. And now we don't get the crowd reaction of all the cool stuff that they're going to do to each uh-huh. other. And it's just a bummer because Randy's just doing the best work of his career. And like with guys that age, you just it's just like athletes where, I mean thinking about LeBron not being able to yeah. have a playoff run this year with the kind of season that he's had. And this oh, is year 17. Yeah, like it's sucks. brutal because mm-hmm. you're like, I don't know we're we can't take this stuff for granted because there's no guarantee that they're going to be just as good the following year. And Randy Orton being in the company for 67 years edge with his injury stuff. Like we don't know if they'll ever have a moment well, like this and, ever again. Yeah. And it's, it's so disheartening to like even more so within the context of Edge's Royal Rumble comeback being one of the most heartwarming mm-hmm. wrestling moments in a long time. And then I can't think of an angle in WWE that like got to me emotionally the way that this has, especially like the first week with the initial attack and everything like that. I loved it. And now the fact that this just has to happen in such a, a rough environment. If there's anyone that I think could make it work, it's Orton. Um, I really trust him in this sort of environment. But it's it's just so sad that for Edge's first like match back that we know is happening, it's in front of nobody. It's brutal. I just I don't know mm-hmm. how else to explain it, but it's just brutal. Um, the two winners for me, Shayna Baszler. I think she's yeah. a winner because <laughs> I think this would have been she a can one hundred percent win that match now, and it will not matter one hundred percent. And like it's not going to backfire or be is as big of a deal I, you don't have to worry about the crowd turning on on the show yep. when she wins because that would happen i think in a live crowd i think this match <laughs> is still going to be a stinker i think um we already saw the best of yeah. becky lynch this year and that was against oscar and just not mm-hmm. doing becky oscar at a wrestlemania just i they just overthink stuff where i'm just like those two's chemistry perfect yeah they're incredible becky is not someone that can get a great match out of everybody which is fine she doesn't have to mm-hmm. she's not that kind of wrestler but Shayna Becky is just it's but Shayna can also get a bad match out of Eddie yes it's just the bad it's a recipe like that's the thing with Shayna is and I I, like Shayna matches are already rough because like if the crowd doesn't buy her matches are almost all the same where it's her doing a lot of control work and the person firing up and that's why I feel like her matches vary so much in quality like some of her NXT takeover matches were total stinkers and some of them were fantastic when they were placed properly on the crowd and you had a baby face the crowd would rally behind they were great but when the crowd is either tired or burnt out or not that into it it goes off the rails in a bad way and her in an environment where there are no fans and she doesn't particularly have any sort of exciting persona or anything like that this could be very very bad yeah um and and that's the one thing that i think this match had going for it was that you know at least the crowd would be behind becky if this had happened on a big stage, but at least now they don't have to worry about like the crowd being upset for a few matches afterward. If Shayna wins. 
which I also don't think she should. I I hate to say it. I'd almost like write off Shayna. I, I'm not a fan. I just don't I just don't see what there is left to do with her. Yeah. And she isn't an act that works if she's not the ace. She needs her her style is dependent on her being the ace of the division. I agree. Um but that's what they're gonna do. I think they're still very high on Shayna Baszler and she is getting everything that uh nobody actually wants. Can you imagine just a summer of Shayna and Drew McIntyre feuds atop the raw card? Sounds awful. That could be it could be rough. Yeah. And I, I also think that Drew I remember years ago, Chris Hero did an interview where he talked about in I think it was like two thousand nine, maybe he was PWG champion. And the crowd turned on him. And he was like, and the interviewer was like, "Ah, like you were, you're a great wrestler. Like, why did that happen?" And he was like, "It's just so tough because he's like a PWG. You're always wrestling people that are super exciting and super interesting. And so often you find yourself in a position where like the crowd would be like, oh, wouldn't it be cool if this guy won the belt?'" And I think that is going to be the problem that Drew has: is that a lot of people that he could potentially wrestle would be a more interesting champion than him. Yes. And right now in this build, like when it's just solely focused on him chasing, it's not bad. When people are chasing him, things could get murky. I agree. Um, The other winner for me, Bray Wyatt. I think. Interesting. I'm, I'm intrigued because I I don't, I'm not sure I follow. So Bray Wyatt loves doing the, the spoopy stuff, right? He loves thinking outside the box. He loves the Firefly Funhouse stuff. He, Mm -hmm. the best thing about Bray Wyatt is not the wrestling like that's the worst thing he does just yes. by and large i think now that there's no crowd now that they can do really whatever they want at the performance center like this guy i mm-hmm. think this match is not even gonna be like a normal match like i think the reports of him fading in and out of bray and the fiend in the middle of the match is not at all surprising oh hell yes so i actually think that this match rules. is going to i did be I, awesome. not, I was not aware of that yeah so i think this is actually oh, going to be awesome. I think this is going to be ridiculous and like a full on movie presentation that you could not do in front of a live crowd at WrestleMania. And I think he's actually going like if I do bet who is the biggest trending person coming out of WrestleMania, it's Bray Wyatt. And it's not even close. Like I think everything that he does and everything they do with this match, like we hate the red stuff, like the red film and all that on his matches and the hell in a cell and all mm-hmm. that. This is not going to be like that. I think it's going to be ridiculous. I think it's going to be hilarious. I think it's going to be something that we talk about for a long time. And he's a winner. Man. Yeah, I think he's a winner here. Yeah, I I agree. I've talked you into it. And it, it takes it out of... Yeah, it also kind of removes the possible situation of him kind of like having a bad letdown performance on the big stage again because now if it fails it's like oh well we got too ambitious with it mm-hmm. where i think if it happened at a traditional wrestlemania it's just how oh, bray sucked again at wrestlemania exactly and i think that's what it would happen whereas now it'll have the factor the ambition factor behind it where it can't be too bad correct i think it's just going to be a unbelievable presentation i think i will very much enjoy this that i would not have enjoyed if it was just at WrestleMania and watching these two work and John doing everything he possibly can to get Bray Wyatt over. Who do you think wins? I guess Bray. Mm-hmm. I get. I think he, I think he's going to, yeah. especially this is another one of those cases too, where like, there's no live crowd to worry about. Mm-hmm. 
Because I think at a stadium show, John Cena losing, it's not like it's not the worst thing in the world at this point. Like he's not even around that often anymore. Like it's not going to do any harm to John Cena's legacy for him to lose to anybody. Um, but yeah, I, I don't I don't see a reason why you would have Cena win. Yeah, I am um, the forgotten guy is AJ Styles in all this for me. Oh, you're are you not excited for the Boneyard? I am. Match? I'm not excited. I think when we talk about Edge and Randy Orton not having much time and like missing their moment, at mm-hmm. least they tried to give him one last major moment potentially. AJ Styles, like he's got what one more WrestleMania? Isn't he said that his last this last contract he signed is it? Like and then he's retiring and he's going to Gainesville oh, no. and he's over. I feel like they are just what are we doing? Like you have the best wrestler in the company yeah. just doing nothing for months. This is it. This is it. You have. Very limited amount of time left with AJ Styles. Why are you not just doing everything you possibly can to give him compelling, awesome stuff to do until it's over? Because it's going to be over very quickly, and I just I'm worried that um, that uh, that's it. That we're just going to look back at the last couple of years of AJ's running at WWE and be like, "What if? What were you doing?" Yeah, it's the other thing that's kind of a bummer. There is. I, I will say the one thing that this match does have going for it is on, on RBR last night, Eric Brady brought this up. A pre-taped Undertaker match might not be the worst thing. Because like if he blows up, it's just like, oh, just take like five minutes. Mm-hmm. Get your breath. Um, But it, yeah, it's just such a letdown too when you consider AJ Styles' WrestleMania matches. He had the Nakamura match, which a lot of people didn't. I really liked that match, but I felt like I was kind of the high man on that one. Uh, he had the match with Jericho that was, I thought, too long. And then he wrestled Shane McMahon, which over-delivered, but it was still with Shane McMahon. It's like, why are we not, not getting just AJ Styles classics at WrestleMania every right. year? It goes like, back this to is just such a disappointing stuff. use of... And it just doesn't... like I just don't know who it appeals to. Mm-hmm. Like, what is what is the point of The Undertaker against AJ Styles? Because, like... I don't know what AJ Styles can do to elevate the undertaker like i just don't see a path for him to carry him right and like just stylistically it seems like kind of a mess like why not just do Um, aj versus ricochet uh the only the only reason i can think of is is because he uh, already beat Ricochet like 45 well, times over Vince, the summer. I don't know if you saw his report but it from should this week. Yeah. Uh, Vince's memory, not great anymore, reportedly. And uh, he hopes that the crowds don't remember it either. Oh, no. That, like, that is part of his thing. And, I mean, that's what he's always felt like. So I don't think that's actually new. Because I think WWE has always been under the assumption that people forget. And that they can scrap stuff and they can change course and all that kind of stuff. And continuity is not a big thing. Um but yeah, that's like the the new report. That and also that uh, you're not going to believe this, Maxwell. But WWE officials don't love the idea of CM Punk wrestling for them ever again. What a non-story. Um, How is that news? Triple H is still there. Like he can get demoted all he wants, but like the people there and what he did and what he charged them with and everything else, you can be on whatever side you want there. I would be shocked if the powers that be there ever let him wrestle for them ever again. I just don't, I don't know. It's another thing where I, it just is kind of like actions, the way he's carried himself mm. and the way, like 
basically since 2017-ish. I just don't have any interest in seeing him do anything anymore either. Well, hold on. Like, He's there was my a time, in, of all time. In, in, so I have interest in him doing things, oh. but I don't think this is the place to do it. Well, yeah, and that's the thing is that, like, I think right after the Cabana podcast, there was time where I was chomping at the bit to see him do anything. And now I just I could not care less. But you saw the Osprey stuff. Like, if he if they do Osprey Punk next year, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I'm all in. That's I'll I'll be excited for it for sure if it happens but i also i just think he's so full of shit that i can't i i I don't know that there's any sincerity behind anything he's saying like i have a hard time imagining it even happen i think he is going to wrestle again i think what we've seen more than anything else is he's going to wrestle it's just going to take a ridiculous offer from somebody and i just don't know if it's gonna (laughs) it's gonna happen i would assume it's eventually gonna happen but um i don't know i i think it's very hard for me to see like all the stuff that he's been doing over the last couple months for it not to be like, oh, I'm going to wrestle again. And then, of course, like the AEW stuff, it's like, well, they just signed Colt Cabana. And we know how they feel about each other now, so it seems like that's out. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Unless you can keep them away. Part of, hey, there's the first pro career yeah. stuff, is that they have to be kept apart uh, anyway. Uh-huh. So they actually could go to AEW together. Exactly. Mm-hmm. God, I don't know. And then don't do a house show, so you can just like alternate which weeks they're on TV. Mm-hmm. You like Gronk. They're nice to travel together. I do love Gronk. I don't get it. I don't like Gronk. I don't. He's a goof. Well, I I think you're. I don't think I actually like Gronk. I think Gronk is amusing. Is he amusing every week with Mojo Rawley? Well, no, because Mojo Rawley's there. Who just got moved to SmackDown, by the way. Did you see that he's now officially a SmackDown member? Yeah, quietly moved to SmackDown. It was like, I saw a headline <laughs> that said that. I was like, nobody knew he yeah. was on Raw. Um, I mean, th- yeah, it's a shame that Mojo Raleigh has to be on TV because of it. And also, not that I'm like, why doesn't Mojo, like, why doesn't Gronk have a storyline? <laughs> but it, it does just seem like there isn't a whole lot of direction. He's just like showing up and announcing him. Like, I don't know. It just doesn't seem like it has a lot of effort. It feels very low effort. Right. They're just like, hey, we got this superstar that likes wrestling. Let's sign him. That's the thing, too, is that WWE always positions celebrities as baby faces, mm-hmm. and, it, and it should almost always go the other way. Like, wrestling fans do not want, like, they don't care that these people are celebrities and be like, oh, they like wrestling. Like, eh. most of the time, they, they, they're not going to like that person anyway. And I think Gronk being a big, stupid heel would be a lot more amusing. Yeah. Um... Like, if Edge could do, or if, if Mojo could do, like, Edge and Christian style heel comedy from 2000. And just be a big doofus. I think that would be a lot more enjoyable for everybody involved. I, I think he'd have fun with it. I think it would be more entertaining. I think it would pick up more mainstream traction than him like coming out doing a weird entrance and be like, Mojo Raleigh's my friend. <laughs> like, who's, who's that for? I, I don't know. But I mean, if he was a manager for Mojo and Riddick Moss, like, whatever. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't, like, whatever. 10 minutes a week? Like, if yeah. they're feuding with heavy machinery. I could get yeah. behind some Gronk Otis segments. Mm-hmm. Oh, totally. Yeah. And I feel like that's that's more what they should be shooting for. But it's it's weird that like now Mojo Raleigh has to be a face again and it's it's messy. Yeah. Um All right, Maxwell. Well this has been great. Uh what are you watching right now on the network uh with Poppy? Oh, so right now, um I've been doing well I I actually just uh with my wife uh recorded 
a two-part episode for our Patreon series where we watched both the Raw and Nitro from July 6, 1998, which is the night that Goldberg wins the WCW title for the first time. Mm. And that was interesting. Were you a WCW guy being from? Oh, absolutely. The, the George- was, that was what I watched growing up. I didn't okay. watch uh, the Attitude Era live. Okay. Did like quiet Nitro matches, like undercard Nitro matches, like the weird ones where it would be like Hacksaw Jim Duggan versus Robert Fuller. Mm-hmm. Do those like hit differently than WWF undercard matches that no one cares about? Or am I insane? You're insane. Because it feels like the WCW matches where the crowd doesn't care are like neck level bizarre <laughs> now you god damn it maxwell now i'm gonna have to like go back and look at this i don't remember it it, i don't know but maybe i could be wrong i feel like it does um but yeah it, it was exciting to peer into to wcw for a bit during that podcast series um Huvin psychosis had a match that was like three minutes long but they did all the moves and it was tremendous those matches are like going back and just seeing how short the cruiserweight matches are pretty pretty wild well yeah it's it's and it's a bummer too because it's like imagine what these guys could have done with like 10 yes. to 15 minutes but that's also like what makes it even cooler in some ways is that it's like these guys knew that like they were just going to maximize their time no matter what they were given mm. like it is it is still admirable but it's just like man and some of these guys you plop them in today's environment because i feel like they're already held in a pretty high regard but i think a lot of those cruiserweights would be appreciated much more today i agree um i agree all right well you heard it here first maxwell wants hogan versus drew mcintyre SummerSlam 2020 that's yeah that's that's what we're shooting for ultimately (laughs) that's why he's going back through wcw and old ross he's like how can we blend Mm -hmm. these two worlds together how do we get the yeah psychopath and hollywood hogan worked with goldberg Mm -hmm. yeah worked with goldberg and reigns now it's yeah the the yeah that's that's the next match is mcintyre and hogan good god i hope they're not listening bruce pitchard don't do this yeah and you gotta have ed leslie uh the booty man uh brutus beefcake whichever incarnation he's got to be there too that's true is brutus beefcake still alive i believe he is are you sure i'm not positive but i believe he is (laughs) that's just sad that like that's especially with the week of i feel like i remember them it wasn't he the hall of fame recently i i believe you oh yeah he's still alive okay did you watch dark side of the ring um i did i haven't watched it yet is it is it super depressing so i they talk a lot about eddie guerrero in the first half and i actually thought that part was like equally as depressing and heavy as the Benoit stuff in a lot of ways. Um, the, like the details that they go into are just heart wrenching. Um, the Benoit stuff is like exactly what you expect. It's, it's gory. It's sad. It's heart wrenching. It is tough to sit through. Um, but it was really the Eddie Guerrero stuff that got to me. And then some of the, uh, I don't want to spoil anything, but at the end, there's a couple, a couple clips with surviving members of the, uh, the families of Daniel and Nancy that that really got to me as well. But would you recommend? It's it? it's grueling. It's a heavy watch, but it's it's good. It's well done. Um, they don't break a whole lot of new ground. There's a couple of things I wasn't aware of, but it's it's definitely worth checking out. Okay, I I'm gonna do it at some point, but I just I got to be in the mood. This feels like one of those <laughs> where like I know after. It's just going to be like, uh, 
I don't want to do anything else for the rest of the day. That was super depressing. Mm-hmm. It's got to be the right time. The right time. All right, Maxwell. Well, we can listen to you every week on RBR Weekly Wrestling Talk. We can subscribe to the RBR Patreon. Is it just patreon.com slash RBR Wrestling? That's it. Okay, go do that. Keep up the great work, you podcasting fiend. And tell Poppy I said hello and stay stay safe, my friend. All right, you too. Thanks for having me. All right, that'll do it for today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast. Thank you uh, to the wonderful guests for coming on today's show. Thank you uh, to my wonderful listeners for listening to today's episode. Uh, I greatly appreciate it. Um, if you like today's episode, leave a five-star rating and a review on Apple. It would be great. Um, it helps the show continue to grow, and I would very much appreciate it. Uh, you can also support the show on Patreon by going to patreon.com slash Chase Thomas Writer. Um, for as little as five dollars a month it helps the show keep the lights on so that would be a great help to me as well uh you can also follow me on twitter at chase underscore thomas you could go to chase which has all of my stuff all my episodes ever um links to everything that you need um and all of my writing that uh i'm doing fairly often these days um on the nfl on nba on college football on pro wrestling i write about everything i write a lot um so go read me on that front so if you're not tired of listening to me you can also read me um so that's awesome but uh i think that's enough self-promotion from me for one episode Uh, i hope you continue listening that would be great and uh i will talk to you all again very soon thanks guys nicely done nephew Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah. If you have a family relying on your income, you need life insurance. But finding the best quote shouldn't take a lifetime. That's where Policy Genius comes in. In minutes, Policy Genius could save you 50% or more simply by comparing quotes from America's top insurers. Once you apply, the Policy Genius team handles all the paperwork and red tape to save on life insurance and get protection for you and your family. Head to policygenius.com today.